Hi, this is Kevin Smith, Silent Bob from all those terrible Jane Silent Bob type pictures from back in the day. And you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, man. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's an encore presentation of an interview we did with Vic Henley a few years back. Oh God, I took almost a whole summer off. I did very, oh. very little. Yeah, I didn't, I, because when I'm here in New York, I can still work almost every night if I wanted to. But I didn't plan any crazy traveling. I went to Nantucket for a week. I went and hung out with my family. I did a whole bunch of great stuff. And I'm, you know, it's funny that hardly any of the other jackasses ever do that. So as many comedy fans may already know, we lost Vic Henley this past Monday, April 6th, to a pulmonary embolism. He was only 57 years old. And I decided to do this episode this way for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's, a, it's an old episode, and so maybe you haven't had a chance to hear it. Uh, I know iTunes, I have it set only to save the last 300 episodes. You can go to pfradio.podbean.com and get everything from episode 9 on. Uh, but uh, I think it cuts off at the previous 300, and if I reset it to like 500, I'm afraid it's going to drop 500 episodes into your iTunes again if you're still using iTunes like me. So that was one reason. Second reason, of course, is uh, Vic was a favorite here in Cincinnati. He's from Alabama, but he got very friendly with the comedy community here in Cincinnati, so this is one of uh, one of his big markets, I guess you would say. He would play Cincinnati at Go Bananas uh, at least once a year, and so that's another reason. And uh, so, yeah, and of course I have a dearth of guests due to the current crisis, and I figured, you know, there are a lot of good interviews back there. And again, I don't know how you folks are stumbling upon them. If you're just a fans of the particular comedian and you listen to one or two of the episodes. And as my friend Jackie Cage says about her podcast, and it applies to mine too, go back and cherry pick the archives, folks. I don't care. You don't have to listen to them all. Don't have to listen to all of them. But just find the ones you like. If it's someone you like, sometimes, and as Marin says about his, even if someone you don't know, you might find a good interview. So this is an interview we did with Vic. Gosh, it's episode like 147 was the original episode. So it's got to be from back in 2011, 2012. So like I said, I might have gotten buried back there in the archives, and uh, we'll do a dumb bit ahead of that. I'm just going to play the dumb bit from last week because it's still relevant, again, to what's going on with uh, the coronavirus and the uh, government response to it and so forth. So dumb bit first, and then uh, an encore presentation of our interview with Vic Henley. Kind of a dumb bit doubleheader this week. You get a, I thought it was funny. And you also get a... It's Facebook, not Factbook. So first we'll go with the I thought it was funny. Uh, remember a couple of years ago, this is probably about around 2008 or so, and George W. Bush was president, and uh, there was these he had these massive tax cuts, which mostly went to the wealthy, as they always do. And Warren Buffett, the billionaire investor, uh, said this. Uh, this is from CNBC. Taxes for the lower and middle class and... Uh, maybe the, even the upper middle class should even probably be cut further, but I think that people at the high end, people like myself, should be paying a lot more in taxes. We have it better than we've ever had it. That, of course, the dance remix of uh, CNBC right there. Hope you enjoyed the music underneath that. Don't know why that's there. But anyway, yeah, so Warren Buffett said, uh, you know, those super wealthy should be paying more in taxes, him included. And uh, what's weird is a lot of people who that did not apply to at all, uh, said, uh, oh, well, if Warren, you may remember, if Warren Buffett wants to pay more taxes, he can send it to the IRS. And these are people 
that were in the middle class or in the upper middle class, which Warren Buffett said upper middle class people should be getting a tax cut. He was just talking about the super, super wealthy like himself. Yeah, but all, all kinds of poor and middle class and upper middle class people said, we well, can send a check to the IRS if he wants to. So I guess my question then is, with a stimulus check coming from the federal government uh, during this COVID-19 emergency, are you all going to send your checks back? I thought it was funny. Which now brings us to a uh, a bit we like to call... It's Facebook, not Factbook. So usually these involve uh, the posting of a meme somewhere on Facebook. That's the usual suspect and usually posted by uh, maybe I would say uh, more conservative friends of mine. But this time, it's a progressive friend of mine. I won't call him out, but he uh, posted this meme. It's, a, uh, I guess, a screen grab of a tweet by someone named Justin A. Horowitz. There's a Justin Horowitz who is a composer. I don't think it's the same guy. But anyway... It says, uh, Canada's $82 billion stimulus is 2000 a month for four months to everyone who loses their job. America's stimulus is a $1,200 loan against future taxes owed and multi-trillions in corporate welfare. Canada's con- constituents are its people. America's constituents are its corporations. Um, as, I guess, pol- as a PolitiFact that does the little meter mostly fall, I would rank this as uh, mostly true. Uh, Canada's $82 billion stimulus is $2,000 a month for four months to everyone who loses their job. Well, l- l- let me have the CBC explain it to you. Canadians will be able to apply for the Canada Emergency Response Benefit this week. It's available to anyone who lost their job because of the coronavirus pandemic, including contract workers and freelancers. Kathleen Harris reports. If you lost your source of income because of COVID-19, you can apply for emergency benefits starting tomorrow. The benefit is worth about $2,000 a month and will be available for four months. So there you go. But the key is, is that in Canada, it's only if you lose your job. So if you still have a job, you don't get the $2,000. And then in America, everybody's getting 1200 bucks. But of the two, I think it's better just to get the 2000 to the people that really need it as opposed to 1200 you know, to people that may or may not need it. I don't know. Of the two, I would, would go with that. And uh, you can about hear my furnace kick on here, so excuse that. Uh, anyway, um, and I, I looked all over. I could not find anywhere to support the notion that the $1,200 stimulus we're receiving in the United States is uh, a, a, a loan against future taxes owed. It is trillions of dollars in corporate welfare. That is completely accurate. And boy, oh boy, two uh, organizations that, that I'm really a little upset with, uh, the airlines, but unfortunately we're stuck because – we need airlines. Uh, but boy, th- those bastards, uh, when this whole thing was ramping up, the whole COVID-19, they were more than happy to charge people upwards of $6,000 to fly them home uh, on flights that I'm sure normally didn't cost that much, and then turn right around and say, oh, we, we need money now. And of course, they were you know full on with the, uh, the stock buybacks, which even President Trump criticized. Holy cow. So there's that. And then the cruise industry, uh, they, of course, fly almost all the cruise lines that operate in this country do not fly their ships under the American flag for two important reasons. They want to, one, avoid U.S. regulations, and two, avoid U.S. taxes. And even my sister-in-law, who never posts on Facebook, who I think is pretty conservative, I'm going to guess her and my brother-in-law are like Romney conservatives, uh, posted and said, someone posted about this, and she said, yeah, that's absolutely true. She's a travel agent, so she's, she's in the biz. And so, yeah. So, as uh, my dad would say, they had to throw those goddamn people in jail. So, anyway, there's that's the. If you see that meme floating around, like I said, it is it is mostly accurate. But uh, I and if somebody wants to like tweet me at PF sixty six, might be the best way to do. It. If you can find something that supports the notion that this is actually a loan against our future taxes, please send that along. But like I said, I could not find anything about it. Uh, and in the meantime, kids, remember it's Facebook, not Factbook. 
Finley was a stand-up comedian from Alabama. He was going to be a stockbroker before he turned to comedy. He was a big favorite uh, in the comedy scene here in Cincinnati and around the country as well. A lot of that redneck humor. Good friends with Ron White and Jeff Foxworthy and that lot. And here now is our encore interview with Vic Henley. Okay, joining us on PF State Reporter, it's Vic Henley. Vic, how you doing? I'm good, PF. Good, man. Uh, so you at home right now? I am in my home, uh, eagerly anticipating your uh, lettuce cups later. <laughs> okay. Um, so let me. You're known for those. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I've never heard that joke before. Um, actually, that's... <laughs> that's why. Hey, I'm a comic, PF. Yeah. Um, so we, I interviewed you like years ago, of course, and then we, I met you briefly at Go Bananas once after an open mic. You showed up a day early, and uh, jumped up and did a, and just uh, did a nice closing uh, of our open mic uh, performances there. And uh, but I really don't know a whole lot about you apart from the fact you're from Alabama, and uh, I don't know were you like a, a funny kid growing up and always a comedy fan, or where'd your interest in comedy uh, start? Exactly that, yes. Uh, my entire family's funny. Everybody's hilarious. They're all funnier than me, and they all were comedy fans. And so I, I was uh, exposed to comedy albums all the way back from, you know, Jackie Gleason and then through the 60s with Cosby and Red Fox and Pryor and all that stuff. And so I was just all, yeah, I was always aware. And then, you know, somewhere uh, high school, college, you know, just, I guess, like when people thought, wow, I could play the guitar and be a musician. I thought, well, I'll just tell jokes and be a comedian. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's so you, lucky. So you had no other career plans apart from being a comedian. Well, you know, I was I wanted I went to college and I have a finance degree and I was going to be a stockbroker, you know, in case you oh. know the showbiz thing didn't work up. But then I encountered so many idiots in my first six weeks of trying to have a real job that I just gave up after six weeks and went right to the stage and, and been there ever since. Almost thirty years coming up. Oh wow. So did you start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. March, March, Marchish of next year will be thirty years. Oh, doing a big thirtieth anniversary tour then? I well, you know, I try to. My first paid week came in July, so when I do celebrate it, it's usually July fifteenth is my first paid week where somebody gave me money to actually go out of town and work a club for a week, and I made like two hundred fifty dollars. So when I do celebrate it, it is in July. March is actually like the first time I went on stage somewhere around in there. Okay. And I've never really pinpointed that one to find out what the exact date is. It's somewhere in late February, early March. But I started making money by July, and so that's when, yeah, there will be a big 30th anniversary breakdown crazy drunk fest, I'm sure. Oh, nice. Well, very good. So did you start in New York or, or, or back home in Alabama? Well, actually, I, when I graduated from college, I went to Auburn, which is in Alabama, and then I moved out to Phoenix, Arizona, and I lived there for a year, and I started oh. doing stand-up in Arizona. So. Uh, a college roommate of mine had moved out there with his family, and we were all close friends. And I always wanted to get out of the South, and, and by that, that that meant not going to Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we knew a couple of guys that had gone to Dallas and Houston, and we thought that was really cool. And uh, and so when my friend went to Phoenix, I went and visited and liked it, and interviewed for a job, and got offered a job at Dean Witter, and then got there. And then they had changed the spots from giving away two jobs to only one, and they told me I was going to have to wait for like six months and be. Uh, office boy they're like we'll pay you and you can work here but we just can't put you in the training program for the series seven to be a stockbroker this before cell phones i'm like i moved across country for you what are you talking about and they're like well hey and i'm like well hey i'm gonna be a comedian <laughs> <laughs> so, so you started there let me see what what club in phoenix would that have been 
Well, the place it was called it was a music club. With, uh, it was called Anderson's Fifth Estates in Scottsdale, and they okay. had comedy night on Tuesday nights. And a lot of the bars there was another bar called After the Gold Rush, and a lot of these bars that were music clubs in around the Tempe, Arizona State area, comedy was blowing up all over America, and a lot of bars were having comedy night. And so I would go up on Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on you know what night it was and what club. And that's yeah, somewhere in Tempe after the Gold Rush and, and Anderson's Fifth Estate. Did you have a uh, good idea? Well, boy, it sounds like P.F. Chang's in here now with those pots and pans banging in the background. This is what you get when you do a podcast from your family room. Um, uh, so did you have an idea of what kind of comedy you were going to do uh, when you started? Were you going to kind of bring that southern charm and kind of say, well, this is you know what, uh, what my life is like and where I'm from? Or did you were more observational what was going on at the time in, in Arizona? At the t- well, you know, I think everybody, who knows, but I think most get, you start out with what's personal to you and then branch out from there maybe. And so I did. I talked a lot about being from the south, my family, and fish out of water. I'm out in Arizona. I'm living in the out west in the desert. They're not used to any southern people and i'm not used to anybody that paints their yard you know and and uh and goes crazy when it rains like keeps their kids home from school when it rains <laughs> so i could observe things and you know talk about southern things and kind of blend it and then i did that for i don't know six or seven years it said prior once said i read that it takes you seven years to find out who you are on stage so yeah. those first five or six years were a lot of that and i think clinton got elected in 92 and i started talking more about politics and global bigger things i figured at the time if we were supposed to be such a bunch of dumbasses in the south and then one of us uh, just got elected so that was hilarious to me oh there you go yeah and so yeah. uh and, I, and ever since then for the past 20 something years it's been mainly that it's, that's what interests me more is i would rather have a joke about the crisis on the crimean peninsula than you know holding my girlfriend's purse at the mall yeah yeah well that's great because um <laughs> Yeah, because you're, uh, you're friends with Jeff Foxworthy. You guys wrote a book, but you kind of seem uh, opposite from him in many ways, not just the, in the kind of jokes you do, but also in kind of because he was a, a big Romney guy, I guess. Oh, well, you know, it's just that well, Ron, I'm, I'm on the road with Ron White right now, and we talk about that all the time. We love Jeff, and he's awesome, but, you know, we're not him, and he's yeah. clean and awesome and fabulous. And, uh, and uh, Ron, Ron, I love the way Ron words it. Ron always says, we're just a little rowdy. <laughs> we're just a little rowdier than he is and so take note you know people that like Jeff and come see my show they never get mad though that's the good part sometimes I wonder if if somebody's going to get really upset because of what I'm saying or the language or both and uh, and, and they've never complained once so yeah. uh, I guess I'm doing okay yeah well and, and with Ron I guess people know what time it is with Ron you know well, it's Ron it's a Ron show right exactly, exactly yeah, if you so. come same thing if you come see me if you know anything about me uh, and you come see me, then you're not surprised about any of it. If you don't know anything about me, I think you'll just like the show and uh, hopefully want to come back. So how long were you in Arizona then doing comedy? A year, only a year, only one year, 1985, from literally January to January the following year. And in um, in the fall of that year, when I first got those first paid weeks, one of the guys I worked with was a New York comedian named Rob Bartlett and uh, oh, he said yeah. you gotta go what do you do what are you doing in Arizona? You might as well stay in Alabama. You gotta go to New York or LA if you're gonna be a comic. And so uh, I had some friends in New York and I moved to New York and I've been here ever since. Now did Rob have the Bartlett's back then? Pardon? Did Rob have his Bartlett's back then? Yes he did. After, oh yeah, he did I mean, he did all the crazy same shit that he does. <laughs> Everything that he does now. He's always and, and more, all kinds of weird, crazy, funny 
Yeah, just yeah, I love him. He's I still see him at least once a year. I call him and thank him for you know, and he's a great actor too. I see him on Law and Order, and he's worked on Broadway, and, and yeah, he did I, all right for himself. I didn't uh, realize who he was until gosh, like the late '90s uh, when they started simulcasting Imus's show on MSNBC, and uh, you know he does all the he did a lot of the voice. Him and Larry Kinney did almost all of the impressions and uh, character voices and all that. And uh, so I didn't realize he was a, a comedian before that. I just thought he was a radio guy. He was, oh, he was a, uh, he started with a guy named Bob Nelson, who was props and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. an HBO special. I, yeah, I've uh, and, uh, and, a college and, football And guy. Eddie Murphy. They called themselves the identical triplets. And Murphy, Eddie Murphy was like 17. I did not and, know that. Um, I've seen a video, my first or second year of comedy, he showed me, you know, like on a VHS, where they're at some gig out on Long Island, and it's just the three of them, and basically, they weren't really a trio. They would each go up and do 20, 25 minutes of their own oh, stuff. Okay. Yeah. Bartley would do his thing, Murphy would do his thing, Bob Nelson would do, and then the three of them would go on stage at the end, after about an hour, and do improv, and make up sketches, and do characters, and it was hilarious. Oh, man. And so, but... But yeah, I've I've seen that. It, it's somewhere. I'm sure Bartlett still got it. It still exists. But uh, yeah, that was a tree. The identical triplets. <laughs> and for people who might recognize the name Bob Nelson, but aren't placing it, uh, most widely known for the college football all-star sketch. That's kind of his signature. The Jiffy bit. Jeff. Jiffy Jeff. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. The character. He put the balloons in his shirt. And yeah, did, yeah. He did all kinds of characters. Yeah, but yeah. yeah he, Jiffy, Jiffy Jeff was one of them. Absolutely. He still works. I'm pretty sure Bob Nelson's still out. Yeah, there I haven't talked to him in ages, but he's uh, he just he loves being a road comic. He's one of those guys. That, oh, uh, certainly. Yeah, certainly, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, what are you talking about on stage these days? As far as like what's what's getting stuck in your craw? As far as you know, the world and politics and all that. Well, you got a whole lot of. There's a lot of you know. You got Ebola. You got Obama. And is there a correlation? Huh. And uh, you got a, I, I don't know anything from yeah from Ebola. Anything to Obama. He's a lame duck. The Republicans. Chris Christie's a large man. Uh, it's too soon for anybody to be talking about running for office in 2016. I think. Uh, there's uh, international stuff going on. There's a, uh, you know, I used to think ISIS was a Bob Dylan song. Um, yeah, just there, you know, there's plenty. It's college football season. I'm an Auburn man, and oh, I always love talking about that. The Bungles. I always talk about the Bungles when I'm in Cincinnati. So. Yeah, well, they had a good week this week. I'm a Browns fan myself, and. We, we, it's the most erratic thing, and you should be just beside yourself. You should at least be one more win. How the Jacksonville Jaguars got their only win against the Browns was well, a travesty. Yesterday was ugly you know? too. If we were, we made the mistake of see because the the games if the Bengals aren't at the same time, the game isn't shown locally. Obviously, uh, if they they play at a different time, the station in Dayton actually will carry the Browns games. But so my wife said, "Let's go to the sports bar over at the casino." And we did that. Uh, a bunch of Bengals fans jumping up and down because they were winning. And the Browns being the Browns, and oh, it's just awful, awful, awful day of football for me. No, I ain't right. I know. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, but, uh, hey, you're in it. You're still talking about it. It's November. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had yeah. that conversation in a long time. That, that's a fact, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some, I mean, they, and the, the, the guy that the beat writer for the Browns I saw on Facebook was saying, hey, you know, this team is still six and four. They're still talented. You know, let's not panic. But, um, hey, right. So, do you follow Pro Ball much? Do you, uh, you I follow everything. I okay. follow global everything. I follow international soccer. I follow everything. I'm a crazy sports fiend. Ron and them all tease me that I'm the only guy that doesn't play golf that knows all about golf and watches the golf. And we were watching oh, the Turkish. Cool. They were playing in Turkey the other morning at two in the morning. We were watching it on the tour bus. <laughs> That's a strange <laughs> one. So, who do you follow? So, yeah, I'm a huge sports fiend. I like anything. I've always liked sports my entire life. So. Well, apart from Auburn, of course, do you follow any other teams closely, like uh, uh, pro football? 
football or pro basketball? Or no, 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 you know, just, not really. I always enjoy the whatever story's going on. Uh, I really okay. do. Once the pro teams, once free agency and everything started switching around, I had some friends that lived in St. Louis. So when they went from the 4-12 and 12 to the 12-4 and four and won the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, that's when I really started getting intrigued with uh, – you know, growing up, I was a Raiders fan because I hated Dallas, and they were all clean-cut and Roger Staubach, and I like Kenny Stabler and the hair and the helmet and Al oh, Davis, yeah, yeah. and we're just going to pound it up the middle and throw it to Cliff Branch deep. If you can beat us, ha, 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 try. So I enjoyed the brashness of it. But then he sat Marcus Allen during a couple of years of his prime. I kind of gave up on pro ball. Uh, and so then the Kurt Warner thing really intrigued me with Northern Ireland, Arena Ball, and now Super Bowl MVP. And so then the fact that every year there is a – flip around every year just about since 99 or 2000 there's been the four and 12 goes 12 and four last year was kansas city the yeah. previous year they've gone like three and 13 so i enjoy the, the haves always have brady's there it seems like for all these years green bay's up there and rogers roethlisberger it's always the haves and it's i enjoy the new little kid on the block and will they break through and go all the way through you know, when Arizona played uh, the Steelers a few years ago, Warner again, that was amazing. So that's what I kind of like with all the sports stories. I love the NCAA tournament. I love, yeah, I'm more interested in the weird or obscure fact than the just pulling for the Falcons every week. I just never did that growing up. I only pulled for Auburn. So. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I remember talking to uh, Brian Regan a couple of years ago, and he said, he, and this is, uh, I think a lot of people are getting like this too, is he, he always roots for the team that's behind. So he flips on a game. Whoever's trailing, that's who he's rooting for. He likes a big comeback. I was at the I, I was at the Green Bay Steelers Super Bowl a few years back with Aaron Rodgers, and I had people from both sides behind me. And we've never had an overtime Super Bowl, and I always pull for that every oh, yeah, year, yeah. especially if I'm sitting in the stadium watching it. Oh yeah. And so when they were when they, they, Green Bay had an eight point lead, and Pittsburgh was driving late, and I was hoping for the touchdown. Oh my God, they'll have to go for two, and then maybe overtime. And I kept jumping up and down, and finally both sides of the people were punching me in the back. They're like, "Who are you pulling for?" Because every time somebody do something good on either side, I jump up and cheer. <laughs> so with about two minutes to go, they're like, "Hey, you have to commit right now." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm pulling for me. I want to see an overtime Super Bowl. I could care less. And they're like, no, you've been driving us crazy the entire game. There you go. Yeah. yeah. If I don't have like a rooting interest either way in either of the teams, like if I don't know somebody that roots for them or anything, I'll always root for the team that has, uh, has it's been has gone through the longest drought of success. Certainly. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. Easy, so so uh, what else are you talking about on stage apart from, uh, you know, is there, any, is there any kind of stuff that happened in your day-to-day -day life that kind of like uh, strikes you funny or do you just mostly concentrate? Well, you know, there is a, that, that is true. There is a weird, you know, just like uh, I've, that's always been a part of my show, too, is that when you, you always have ideas and you expand on them, you try to make them jokes, and then you're always just sitting around talking with friends or go home and visit your family, and funny things come up. So, that, yeah, totally the holidays are coming. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been catching wind of all kinds of family stuff that's been going on. That's one of the reasons I do Thanksgiving there, because everybody thinks you want to see your family, and after about three <laughs> hours, you're like, where's the bar? <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, I think there's always there's always holiday stuff that I get to do around this time of the year that I don't ever do in my show, and so there's things like that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I went home and saw the whole family, so yeah, I got a whole big dose of Alabama oh, cool. <laughs> good stuff about a month ago. Well, I guess coming back to Go Bananas, a place you've played for years and years, it's kind of like seeing family. Well, it's one of the best clubs in America, and all the comics love it. Oh yeah, yeah I have friends there. I've been twenty. I've got twenty-five year friends there in town, and it is, sometimes we do a show because uh, people want to come out on Thursday night. We just always base it on the ticket sales and the reservations. Okay. And sometimes we've not done it. Sometimes we've done one. Sometimes we've not done one. It just depends on literally the crowd, and it's changed. Sometimes a hundred people want to come. Sometimes four. 
So either way, I've got friends there, and I get to have a great Thanksgiving dinner with people that I love and hang out and lots of friends. And so it's it's, it's a great working holiday week for me there. Well, speaking of working the holiday, what do you make of these uh, all these stores being open on Thanksgiving night? Yeah, I, I'll, I can't stand any of this. The fact that it's, you know, the guy went right by Rockefeller Center the other day here in New York City. It's not even Thanksgiving. They've already got the tree up. They're already decorating it. They've got a big cloak on it, so you're, like, not supposed to know what it is <laughs> or what's going on. They've got scaffolding on it. But I guess it's so huge, you got to get started early. But they're already putting the snowflakes up down Fifth Avenue. It's not even things I can't stand this. I really don't. I'm, I start on about the 22nd. And I'm good to about the 27th. I figure five days is plenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the weekend, be- weekend before Thanksgiving, I guess, is, is fine. Because, you know, you don't, you, it'd be hard to put it all up in one day. But, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, I don't uh, think it's just so much. I mean, just leave them up year-round. Just go full-on Puerto Rican trailer park. Just, <laughs> just leave them up year-round. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing, too, I think with the popularity of Halloween kind of put a, a – a, put the brakes on that because I think if it hadn't been for the popularity of Halloween in the past couple of years Christmas would have completely run past Halloween you know forward uh, right after Labor Day well I got who yeah I guess so you know yeah. whatever I'm getting older the older you get all it turns into is you know New Year's Eve 4th of July Christmas New Year's Eve 4th of July Christmas yeah yeah just a rapid wheel, rapid wheel of deterioration exactly you're a big New Year's Eve guy I usually work, and uh, and but when I don't, I try to go do stuff with friends. I like it. It's okay. It's a little bit of a amateur night, like uh, St. Patrick's Day. But if you can get to a good spot with friends and not be roaming around and bothered by the marauding masses, yeah, I like New Year's Eve. It's all right. I like champagne. Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. There you go. So when you work, you usually work like uh, in New York, or do you like uh, like with the Thanksgiving and go bananas? Just find a club you like and. And that way, I've always, you know, one of the little secrets about stand up is forever New Year's Eve is the big money week in comedy. All the clubs will pay you double or two and a half times. They can charge people more for packages to come out and celebrate. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, not. 90% of your comics are always being giant prostitutes and taking yeah. the cash. <laughs> we hardly ever get one off. And uh, and that's why. Because, yeah, we can, we work in bars. You can celebrate and have champagne any other night you want with your friends. But when the mean people that don't want to pay you a lot aren't offering you a lot, we usually jump at the chance. Oh, there you go. All right. So any other uh, uh, comedy vehicles that you're working on? Uh, you uh, and you wrote the book, of course, with, with Jeff and everything. But anything else you're working on? Well, uh, I'm just still – well, yeah, I'm doing another – Ron Weiss doing another Salute to the Troops on CMT, Country Music Television. So that will okay. be out again in March. We're going to shoot that, and then that will air in March. And uh, – I'm trying to. Uh, I'm dancing in front of the Letterman people, trying to get on one more time before he goes off the air next. Oh year. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. So I'm hoping for that and that, and uh, that's it for TV right now. And just you know, out here on the road, I've been working with uh, Kathleen Madigan, who's oh, the funniest yeah. woman out there working, and Ron. Between I've been doing like a week with Ron, a weekend, a weekend with Kathleen, and then a weekend with myself. Uh, on the road in a week in New York that's pretty much that's four that's every month so it's okay, been great so. I've been swamp busy for uh, two or three months here now and it's rolling into next year so that's good do you, do you take yeah, vacation you can find me anywhere I'm on the road yeah do you take vacation though do you ever set aside a week and say you know in, in this like in May or June or whatever I'm just going to take uh... oh always absolutely oh god I took almost a whole summer off I did very oh. very little yeah, I didn't I, because when I'm here in New York, I can still work almost every night if I wanted to. But I didn't plan any crazy traveling. I went to Nantucket for a week. I went and hung out with my family. I did a whole bunch of great stuff. Yeah, and I'm, you know, it's funny that hardly any of the other jackasses ever do that. You know, but I've yeah. always I've worked hard for a long time. I believe treating yourself. But some comics won't even do that. But I always have. I love shutting it down. It's my favorite thing. 
Uh, so we're going to traveling around, you know, there's always certain jokes that I just stick with me from certain comedians. And, and the one I always think of with you is especially when I'm driving around in the South and you're trying to find a radio station is the, the two kinds of stations in the South joke of yours, which I just, uh, to this day just love because it's, well, it's either right. It's either, I've added a third. I've added a oh, third. Okay. It used to be, it used to be hardcore country bluegrass or Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That was your two choices. Yep. Some kind of deeply religious, some kind of just twangy mandolin, ding, 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 yeah. da, 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 ding, <laughs> or some hardcore, and the Lord said. <laughs> and then the, thir- the third one I've noticed now in the past few years is some sort of trade show. Oh, where yeah. Where people are bartering things, where people are bartering things and calling in and stuff. It's the weirdest. I've got a dump truck load of gravel. I'm looking <laughs> for a grilled chicken breast on top of a Caesar salad. <laughs> I've got two pigs and a jar of sorghum syrup. Who's got an old Monopoly game that's missing all the pieces? I just want the hat. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Tradio they used to call that, uh, and uh, where I used to live. Yeah, big big stuff. Down south, when I grew up, it was called Swap Shop. Swap, so different yeah, yeah. regions of the every yep. every region of the country has it. They're, all fifty states have it. I guarantee you, in Alaska, oh, yeah. there's somebody going. I got a moose antler that I'll trade for a <laughs> antelope sausage. You know. <laughs> so, but it, yeah, but it, in the south where I grew up, it was called Swap Shop. But it's yeah, variations of that. That's the third part of. I have expanded your bit there. Peter. There you go. All right, super. All right, man. Well, awesome. I'll, I'll think of that as I'm driving through the uh, the mountains and everything, and uh, when I'm. Uh, uh, out on the road exactly next time. next time yeah next time you hear somebody trying to get a fruitcake for some bottle rockets <laughs> <laughs> think of me you could do a whole book of these things little, so, little, little right. books. all right well great talking again Vic. uh have fun when you're uh here in town and uh you know have a good holiday season thanks, and all. yeah all, all right, right it's always good talking to you i hope everybody comes out to the show it's all great right club. okay thanks Vic. Right. all right appreciate Bye. it Vic henley a uh, story I can tell you about Vic Henley, uh, and I, I think I might have mentioned it in that interview. I don't know. I didn't go back and listen to it. Um, I'm doing this wraparound stuff first before I go back and uh, re-edit that. But uh, we have a open mic here in Cincinnati, and it's called the Pro-Am, uh, basically. It's the, it's the open mic at the Go Bananas Comedy Club. It's every Wednesday. And what will sometimes happen is the headliner for the week, headliner usually will play Thursday through Sunday. But it's not uncommon for the headliner to come in on Wednesday and catch the end of the open mic show and sometimes close it. Uh, Tom Simmons did that one time and smashed it. And similarly, Vic Henley did the exact same thing. He came in one night and uh, just told some new jokes he had, and he smashed it. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, he is going to be missed. And, uh, you know, again, go back and look at, you know, uh, I'm sure you can find all the stuff on uh, YouTube and, and things like that. His website currently is not working. I don't know if they're going to rebuild it as a kind of a memorial site. Uh, sometimes comedians do that, but uh, do check it out. So we uh, have come up to the song of the week. Song of the week is from Harry Styles. Harry Styles, formerly of One Direction. And you wouldn't think I would like this sort of affair, but I loved One Direction. And again, uh, there's always uh, a couple of, uh, I guess, acts that are, I guess you would call chart music here in the, the U.S. and in the U.K., and I maintain that the charts in both countries, uh, it's, there's a lot of similarity throughout each chart. In other words, the U.S. chart, does, there's not a lot of variety in it. Same thing in the U.K. chart. Really, but You could really mix the two charts nowadays and not be able to tell the difference. And we're back, I hate to be this guy, but back in my day, you know, but you really could tell the difference, particularly between the two charts. And then within each chart, a lot of variety. Not so much anymore. But... I don't dislike chart music, and One Direction, you know, they found some people to write some great songs, nothing wrong with that, and uh, so similarly, Harry Styles has been, uh, you know, his solo career is, uh, is 
been going really well again. Got some good people to write songs with. And uh, I like some music that sounds like this a little bit. Don't like the whole my whole music library to sound like this, but anyway. Uh, so, oddly, Nearly Liza has gotten into Harry Styles. She's more of an alternative girl, but uh, I think a friend of hers is into Harry Styles and kind of got her turned on. I know a lot of folks like the first Harry Styles album that, like, you know, were into alternative music. And just because, again, you know, hey, good songs are good songs, right? So, anyway, this song is called Sunflower, Volume 6. And uh, I think we started listening to it, or they started listening to it, uh, Liza and then my wife, because... Um, they like Sunflower by Vampire Weekend, and there's another, someone else has a Sunflower song. I think Rex Orange County has a Sunflower song. So they'd listen to that and thought, oh, what's this Sunflower song sound like? And actually, it's a pretty good tune. It's not scheduled to be a single off this album that I can tell, but it should be. Uh, this tune is from Harry Styles. It is our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder. It's Sunflower. So long, and thanks for listening. Sunflower. Sunflower. 